Welcome to the Every Nation Dorado Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message. This morning, we're continuing with our series on worship. Last week, we had Pastor Langa from, from our Johannesburg Church. And uh, this week, we're raising up new preachers and new leaders. And in the first service... You know, so, because even this weekend, we, we had a, a mission to Ochivarongo. A couple of campus guys and some of our leaders went over to scout out because next, next year, watch this space. And, you know, we're going to Lusaka on another mission, planting on the campus there. So, so the, the Word of God calls us to go. Amen. And many times we've been hindering the, the work of God because of our own insecurities and fears, but no more. Amen. This is a season to step out in faith. And so this morning, we've got the great privilege of having our, our present worship director, Shelter, and she's going to share with us. So, so just stretch your hands. Come down here. Otherwise, you will stir the prophetic. And she, she's also uh, leading some of our prophetic teams and just a grace upon her life. So just stretch your hands as, as we receive her. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you, God, that your word does not return void, Lord. Father, we thank you that the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead is living inside of us, living in shelter, Lord. And our hearts are open this morning that you will speak to us through her, Lord God, and that hearts and minds will be transformed to the glory of God. In Jesus' name, amen. Good morning. <laughs> it's so good to see all you happy faces here this morning. So, you know, as we were worshiping, I really just sensed the Lord saying that there's a, you know, there's a scripture in, in the Bible that talks about the pool of Bethsaida. And this pool was a place where an angel of the Lord would come, dip a finger or a foot or something, and then the water would be stirred. And the whoever was closest to the pool at that time could step in there and get healed and get wholeness and get well from whatever issue they had. And as we were worshiping um, just now, I really sense the Lord saying, you know, and if you read that scripture, you find that Jesus finds a guy there who'd been there for 18 or 38, 38 years. So there's a guy there who's been there for 38 years, and Jesus finds him there and says, you know, do you want to be well? And he's like, no, you know, nobody can pick me when the pool is troubled. I can't go in because, you know, nobody's helping me. And Jesus says to me, says to him, do you want to be well? And I really sense this morning that God is speaking to some of us this morning. So whatever it is that's going on in your life, in your heart, there is a stirring that's happening in the spirit. There is something that God wants to deliver, something that God wants to deposit this morning. So whatever your position of your heart is as you receive, it's like you are stepping into the pool that God has, has, has stirred. So I want to challenge you this morning. I want you to just close your eyes for a second. Don't worry, nothing weird's going to happen. Just close your eyes. And I hear the Lord saying this morning, make room. Make room. So as you're closing your eyes, I want you to imagine your living room where you live in your house. So as you're looking at your living room, I want you to picture the furniture that's in there. There's so much going on. If you don't have a living room, picture your bedroom. But picture furniture. And I want you to see yourself making space, moving some furniture around and creating space right in the middle of that room. Just see it right now where you are. Just imagine you're moving that couch, you're moving that chair, you're moving the table, and you're making space right in the middle of that room. And God is saying, make room for me. <laughs> make room for me this morning. I want to do something in your life. I want to stir something up. Make room for me. I'm not going to come into a cluttered room. I want you to make room for me. So, Lord, I just thank you this morning. I thank you that we are making room for you to come and do what you want to do. I thank you, God, that you are present. You are here in our hearts. You are here in this church. I thank you, God, that you are about to do something new in our lives. And we say, Lord, we have made room. <laughs> Whatever that looks like, we have made room for you. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Okay. So, hmm. so last week, Pastor Langa spoke. For the, we're just going to do a um, mini recap. So we started our series last week. It's called All In. You can see those kids, they're diving in there into the water. Oh, it's troubled. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay. So last week, Pastor Langa spoke about the sacrifice. He spoke about us being a sacrifice. There's a scripture that he spoke from Romans 12, um, verse 1. That says, therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. 
So when he spoke last week, it was really quite a profound and deep message because it's a scripture that we, we quote a lot. It's a scripture that we know or most of us know. Some of us have heard about in part or in full. And we hear this, oh, you know, living sacrifice, living thing, offer your bodies. And we never really go deep into that scripture. So when he spoke last week, he was telling us that, you know what, we are the living sacrifice. We are on the altar every day. Our lives are on the altar every day. Why are we on the altar every day? In view of God's mercy. Because of what Christ did for us, dying on the cross, buying our freedom. So in view of what Christ did, in view of God giving us Jesus, the sacrifice of Christ, the cross of Jesus, in view of God's mercy, we offer ourselves. Okay? And because of this now, so this offering, you, me, we are the offering. So in the olden days, they used to take a bull, a goat, a lamb, doves if you didn't have money or pigeons or something. So they used to always take something. But Jesus came and he was the final something. He was the last something that could be sacrificed so that we could have a relationship with God where we could say, I can step in freely. So last week's sermon was really to establish what our worship should look like. Sacrificial worship because of what Christ did. So, so worship is the believer's response. Mind emotions, will, body, to who God is and what he says and does. So it is how we respond. How we respond to God. How we respond to who he is. Not just in our heads, because sometimes we know things in our heads, but our hearts don't know those things. We're responding with the complete, entire being that we are. So it is everything. All that we are responds to who God is, what he says, what he does, everything about him should cause some kind of response in us. So <laughs> this was last week. This was last week. So today, we want to talk about a lifestyle of worship. What does a lifestyle of worship look like? Like that guy, <laughs> diving in there. So <laughs> when we think about a lifestyle of worship, a lot of us think, a lot of the times when you hear the word worship, it puts you in a box, right? You think, I must go to church on Sunday. They must sing four songs, or five, depending on how long your worship is, you know. And then there must be a fast one, a middle one, and then two slow ones. And then at the slow one, I start crying. <laughs> then I've arrived. There's been an encounter, okay? So isn't that how we perceive worship? A lot of the times, worship is coming to Sunday service. It's really when we come here, because it's like, oh, no, I haven't worshipped in a long time because I haven't been to church. People say that. Because I haven't been to this building, I haven't been in a congregation, so I haven't worshipped the Lord. Because in our minds, worship is an activity. It's an event, which happens every Sunday. Monday, if you come to prayer, please come to prayer. But, okay, so, but the fact of the matter is, when we talk about a lifestyle of worship, we're talking about a life of worship. All of it, everything, all that we are, all that is our being. We're talking about that lifestyle, not a part of it. Remember when we talk about Romans 12, 1, living sacrifice, that means us, right? So you don't imagine this. Now you have to sacrifice an animal, maybe way back when. If somebody was trying to be dodgy, then they remove a leg. You can't remove a leg for the sacrifice because it won't be acceptable. Okay? So you can't now decide, oh, this lamb, the, the fur is so nice, this sheep. Let me just skin it a little bit so I can make a nice rug. You can't do that. It had to go perfect. So that's why before you submitted it, those priests had to quickly check. Is there a spot? Is there anything happening there? It's the same for us. We can't decide that my lifestyle of worship is limited to Sunday service and Monday prayer. Then it's not a lifestyle. Then it's an event of worship in your life. Occasion, it's in the diary. You know when you diarize things? Every first Monday of the month, I go to worship. But it's not like that. It's not a lifestyle. So what does it look like? What does it look like? A surrendered life, we go back to our scripture, offering. A life committed to transformation. So we read Romans 12.1. Romans 12.2 says that, but do not be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind so that you may test and approve what God's will is, his good and pleasing and perfect will. So that means that <laughs> if we take Romans 12.1 and move on to 12.2, 12.2 is that it gives us a bit more context. How do I live this sacrificial life? How do I do it? By being transformed daily, right? That's how we do it. So you can't just transform yourself also. I mean, 
How much do you know, really? How much do we know, really, without God's word? So transformation comes from God's word. Okay. The renewal of the mind. And then it says, a life inspired by revelation. I like something that Pastor Langa said last week about how when we see him, when we behold who he is, <laughs> you cannot but worship. Because think about this. When you understand, you cannot worship what you do not know. In, in John 4, when Jesus met that Samaritan lady. So he met a lady at the well, you know, and she was there. And he's like, oh, he says, give me some water. And she said, oh, you are a Jew. I can't give you water. I'm a Samaritan. We're not supposed to talk. Also, you're a guy. I'm a lady. You know, there were rules. But Jesus is like, if you knew who you were speaking to, <laughs> if you knew who I was, then you would not be able to give you living water. So when you think about worship and you think about revelation, so she didn't know who she was talking to. But when revelation came, after he told her about all her many husbands who were not really her husbands, then she's like, oh, you are truly a prophet. <laughs> and then what happened? Revelation kicked in. Then what did she do? Response happened. How did she respond? She ran back to the village or the city, the town, whatever. She ran back and she said, come and see somebody. Why? She was responding to revelation. Yeah. So we cannot be people who are people. And th that scripture, if you read it, that John 4, it goes on to say God is looking for people who worship him in spirit and in truth, right? It goes on to say that he wants us to worship in spirit and truth. Those are worshipers he's looking for. So people who have the spirit of God in them, which is us, if you are born again, okay? And who have the doctrinal truths, right? Which is the revelation that comes from his truth. And where do we get it? Here, in the word. So we need to be people inspired by revelation. You cannot worship what you do not know accurately. You can worship how somebody else does it, you know. Oh, because I see that one. Oh, weeping. Me too. Let me weep. But they're weeping because there's a revelation. Yeah. They just had, they were, they had cancer maybe. God set them free. Healing came 100%. They went and they were told, we don't know what happened to it. And they're here weeping to God, raising their arms because they're thinking, but God. And you're, they're thinking, oh, they're weeping. Let me also. Ooh, but you don't even know why you're doing it. Okay, so everything that we do must come from, it's a response to revelation. So if there's no revelation, there will be no accurate response. Okay, so then a life devoted to service. When we read Romans 12, which, you know, you can't talk about worship without that scripture. It's amazing. So when you read the Romans 12, 1, and it says there, a living sacrifice, there it is. Offer your body as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. So you think now, Jesus, how did Jesus offer himself? Because everything we are is Jesus, right? He's the center of everything. How, what was the template that he gave us as, as believers? Service. He lived to serve. His greatest act of service was dying on the cross. So if we're saying we're following him, part of our worship is service. We cannot be people who do not like to serve others and say we are worshiping the Lord. So this is what this kind of lifestyle looks like. So now, we're going to go on a little trip so we can unpack this, this story of lifestyle of worship. So there are two things we're going to focus on this morning. One is private worship. Yay, Jesus. And the other one is corporate worship. Because these are two things that we hopefully are living in our lives, right? And if we are not, I pray that today, when you leave this place, you will have a sense, an inspiration, a stirring in your spirit, in your heart to encounter God in your own house. And not wait to come for the band to play a song for you to be stirred in the spirit. Okay. So when we talk about private worship, <laughs> private worship, oh, before we even dive into that. So our scripture for today. Whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. So whatever you do, whatever you do when you're eating your varam chips or whatever, when you're sharing your life, when you're going to work, when you're singing, when you're coming into this building, whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus. This is important. So this applies to our worship as well. So whatever form of worship we take, Whatever posture we take, whatever activity we do that has to represent worship, it must be to the glory of God. So we cannot claim to worship God when, in essence, we are worshiping our own desires. Where, in essence, we are doing our own thing. And say, no, I'm living a life of worship. Okay, let me look at this life of worship. 
and then, oh, so this is how, so why do you do these things? Why do you do that? Because I feel like it. It cannot be like that. A lifestyle of worship must be centered on Jesus. Okay. So when we talk about private worship, whatever you do, it's all about God. I'm just going to read the scripture. It's from Colossians. I think it's amazing. All scripture is amazing, but yeah. So Colossians 1, <laughs> verse 15, where it talks about the supremacy of Christ. The Son is the I- image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. Everything was created for him. He is before all things. He is before you and me. He is before our need, our desire, our wants, our prayer list. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. So when we understand it's all about him, and then uh, Revelation 4 says, Worthy are you, Lord, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things, and by your will they exist and were created. So when we understand that we were not created for our own pleasure, it changes how we do life. When we understand that what we have, this gift of life, is not about us, it changes how we live it. So daily living becomes a different thing because at the center of everything is Jesus. But when we don't understand that he is the beginning, he is the middle, he is the end, then we'll insert ourselves in that thing. So somewhere in there, you become the beginning or the end, or the middle. Somewhere in life. Because, hey, something about it has got to be about me, really. Surely. Surely. But it is not. We were made for him. Everything was made for him. Everything that we are is for him. And we need to understand that. So then, we have the pursue intimacy. This is private worship, right? (laughs) So intimacy, those who are my friends, who know me, will tell you that intimacy is like my heartbeat because I believe that your friendship with God, your friendship with Jesus is the most important friendship in your life, okay? So for me, that is important because it makes me live a certain way. When you are besties with Jesus, there are certain things you're just not going to do because you know this is my best friend, this is how he thinks, and how do I know how he thinks? The word, right? So when you pursue intimacy... Intimacy is the foundation of all things that we do. Our relationship with with God is not a distant thing. You know where you have that distant uncle that you talk to every year, once a year you must call because it's almost Christmas, you need some money or something. But we are not like that with God. God is not distant. He is but a breath away. He is inside us. So, you know, one of the things that, that that God and I do together, because we like each other so much, is that... So when you're building a friendship with somebody, when you're building intimacy, you spend time with them, right? You're not going to build intimacy from a distance. It's not a long, long distance relationship. It's very close. So part of our spending time together is this. So I used to struggle with, okay, Lord, we are, I'm so busy. I'm so busy. Again, it comes back to making room for him, right? So Lord, I'm so busy. I'm so busy, but I want to spend time with you. But I'm so busy. What do I do? Can anybody relate? I'm so busy, what can I do? And then it's like, yeah, maybe two minutes just before I sleep. Let me just read one verse. No, it starts with one chapter. Then it becomes five verses. Then it becomes one. Then it's a sentence. And then there's no reading of scripture. And then two weeks go by. And you're like, ish. When last did I read the word? But the idea is to make room for God in our lives. So when you're building intimacy... (laughs) You can't build intimacy without intentionality. It must be intentional. So I know for me personally, so what happens with with God and I is that, (laughs) so because I struggle sometimes during the day to find time, so then I was saying, and I was really frustrated, and I was like, God, so now I want to spend time with you, but look, this is happening, I'm at church all the time, and also, and you know how we also accuse church. It's like, oh, I'm at church, I can't spend time with the Lord. Lies. So... (laughs) So now you are there, no, I'm at church Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday, and then I'm at work. Lord, I don't have any time. 
And then God was like, okay, okay. So before we used to, I used to wake up early at around 4, 3, 4 in the morning last year. And this year there was a struggle. It wasn't happening, right? So it wasn't happening. I wasn't waking up. And I'm like, Lord, so if you change the time of our meeting, I don't know what's going on. Now I can't meet you that time. You're not waking me up. What's happening? <laughs> so, so then I'm like, because it's a problem for me when I don't spend time with God. Because I feel like everything I do, I cannot sacrifice my relation with God on the altar of anything. It's important to me. So then the Lord that day is like, okay, no, no. We are still waking up. So I woke up at 3 that day, and I'm like, oh, okay. Uh, firstly, I set my alarm that day. So I set the alarm. I'm like, okay, since you're not waking me up, I, I better just set, you know, wake myself up. So I set the alarm, and it was very loud. 3 o'clock, the alarm is very loud. I don't know why it's so loud at 3 and not at 7. So <laughs> it's very loud. So I woke up, and then I thought to myself, this, I can't live like this. I can't be having alarms at 3 o'clock in the morning. I can't wake up like this. It gives you a headache. So then that day I was really troubled. And I'm like, Lord, no, I don't understand what you want from me. Because I want to be with you. I want to be with you, but you're not making it easy for me right now. <laughs> this was my stance at the time. So that night, after complaining, I even shared with some friends. After complaining about, no, he's not waking me up. And this is our time together. And so what happened that night is I'm fast asleep in my house, peacefully with my door closed. Then my door opens. And I'm looking at this door opening. Like I could see it was like somebody opened this door. So I'm looking at it and I'm thinking, what's going on now? And then a part of me is like, don't freak out. Don't freak out, but the door is opening right now. <laughs> but don't freak out. So I'm like lying in my bed and I'm thinking, Lord, um, just don't freak out in my head. So for some reason, I pick up my phone and I look at the time and it's 3.04. <laughs> so I'm like, okay. So then I'm like, so did you just open my door? Are you opening doors now? And then I'm like, so, so then I'm thinking, okay, God, are you opening doors now? So I go to sit because we sit together in the mornings. It's like 3 o'clock. It's very quiet. So we sit there and we talk about nothing because we are friends. So your relationship with God doesn't have to be agenda-driven. If you're cultivating a lifestyle of worship, your first understanding should be your relationship is not agenda-driven. Every time, imagine now every time I call Edla. Edla, so I have a list and... So I need a what-what and I need a what-what. Every time I call it, there's a need that I have to share. How is that friendship? That's a need densership. <laughs> or something. I don't know what that is. But the fact of the matter is, if you're cultivating friendship with God, you need to understand that there are moments where you can just be. Just sit there and say, God, here I am. What are we going to talk about this morning? Oh, the stars look bright. Recently, it's been shooting stars. I see them almost every day. So I'm like, so why are stars just shooting? What do you mean? What are you saying? He hasn't told me yet, but I see them almost every day. When I sit at 3 in the morning, there's a shooting star. I'm like, ooh, there's another one. Ooh. And then we talk about that. Then I finish and I go back to bed. I don't ask for anything. I don't have a journal. I'm in the dark. I'm not journaling. I'm just sitting there. We're just talking. Because I don't think you take a notebook to, notebook to all your meetings with your friends, do you? <laughs> Are you taking a notebook? Every time you meet your friend, I'll just bring my notebook. In case you say something deep, <laughs> I must just have my notebook, right? Just in case. Just here's my phone on the ready, okay? The idea is... <laughs> When you cultivate relationship, you need to get into the spaces of nothingness. And, for, and you're not thinking, oh, this is God. You're thinking, this is my friend. So that night where he opened my door, because he actually did. So I'm like, so now, okay, this is levels. So then I said, so now, you know, what happened? He's like, no, you were complaining that I'm not opening your door. I opened, I'm not waking you up, so I woke you up. I'm like, no, what I meant was wake me up naturally. <laughs> not open my door. I mean, what I meant was just let me open my eyes. But, but he opened the door. That's the kind of God we have. He's real, he's close, he's intimate. And he wants that. This is a reality. This is not a theory. This is not a story I read somewhere. This is my life. And we can all live a life where we are so close to God that he's opening doors in our houses. Because he's not limited by geography. You know, I'm in heaven, you're there, I'm not going to touch anything. He's not going to do that. So intimacy is important. And the, the scripture there says, As the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, O God. So two nights ago, I was in my house and I was praying and I was worshipping. And then I got to a place where, so I'm worshipping, I'm, cr I'm crying, because I cry a lot when I'm in worship. So I'm crying and, and in me I'm like, you know, the weirdest, the strangest thing happened to me. I wanted to speak in Afrikaans. I wanted, and I was saying, I'm like, no, I wanted to speak in Afrikaans. And the only thing that could come f in my heart, I, I was probably broken. I was like, uh, 
I was like, what was it here? I can't leave you. I'm like there. I'm just like, I can't leave you. I'm like, I don't know. I'm just there. I can't leave for you. I'm like, and, and you know what? So I, I'm sure I was chopping it. I'm sure I was breaking it. But at my heart, I didn't have the words to say what was happening in my heart. And so in that moment, I'm like, maybe Afri- I don't know Afrikaans. I'm like, and I was trying to find words. I'm like, if I could speak Hebrew, if I could speak Arabic, if I could speak something that I don't know right now because something is happening in me that I cannot express with what I know. Amen. This was two nights ago. So I'm sitting there, I'm like, I did say Ketelefio, or whatever, however you say it, you know. But I'm just like, because in my spirit, there was something happening with the revelation of the God I was looking at that I didn't have the words. I didn't have the expression to say, this is how I'm feeling. But there was a response that needed to come out of me. And that response was in Afrikaans. <laughs> so, 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 <laughs> Okay, so the people here in front are laughing because I'm, I'm from Zimbabwe. I don't speak Afrikaans, okay? So, so when you pursue intimacy, and we're talking about a lifestyle. We read Romans 12.1. We're talking about a person who responds. In that moment, a revelation came to me that there will never be an adequate response to who God is. There will never be because you will look for it. Well, probably when we're with the angels in heaven and we're with the 10,000 elders, 444,000, well, many thousands of elders are there. We are together and we're worshiping in that moment, perhaps, because, I mean, they're dropping their crowns every time the, the angels say, holy, 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 they're like, do crowns down. Because there is a revelation that is taking place. And two days ago, I realized that I will never be able to express this thing. But I must respond. I must respond. And this is the, the challenge to us. Do we respond do we respond when something is happening? It is in those intimate moments of worship, in your private time, in your own house, in your own room, when nobody is watching you, that everything fades away and what is left is your heart saying, I was made for this. I was made for this. So you cannot get to that place where you are, you are made for this only in a corporate setting. It must happen to you in private. It must happen in private. So this is spending time in the Word. This is sitting with Him and doing nothing. This is taking walks. I used to take walks and look at trees and say, why did you make this one like this? Because it doesn't look very nice. Because he's my friend. So we, would talk, ab- we talk about things. We are friends. I'm not going to wait for somebody to be si- sick for me to go to God. Yeah. We have a relationship. It's important. And the sa- in the Psalms, a lot of the Psalms, um, half of them were written by David. They say 75. But there were these guys in the Psalms called the sons of Korah. They wrote Psalm 42. But the sons of Korah were temple musicians, okay? So they were, their business was singing. It was just like, you know, they were there writing stuff. But the idea was there were people allocated. Well, sometimes we struggle with the fact that why are we singing songs or whatever? And there were people designed by God to be the singers in the temple. And David was like, you, you guys there, you guys, sons of Korah, hoo-hoo. Korah was Moses' cousin. So that's the lineage going down. You guys there, y'all will be playing the tambourines in the church. And for us, it's everybody. It's not just a select few that can sing and worship. It's all of us. Even if you do not sing and you know your voice is like those other voices, you're like, oh, Jesus, please help me with this person. In your house, nobody cares. God is listening to you. He's like, I love the sound of that voice. You might not love your, the sound of your own voice, but he loves the sound of your voice. So make use of it. Okay. Then choose to honor, honor God always. So this is one decision at a time. We're talking about a lifestyle of worship. One decision at a time. You're driving past, like this morning, I was coming to church at 8 o'clock and I was looking for a taxi because I don't have a car. And while I'm walking, th- this car stopped next to me. <laughs> and then I'm like, oh, who are these people? And it was people coming to church. Then they were like, oh, we were just driving. I thought, that person looks familiar. And they gave me a lift. And I was like, oh, thank you, God, because I was al- almost late. So, you know, choosing one day at a time to live a life that honors God is beyond what we deem spiritual. And just to correct you, everything is spiritual because we are spiritual beings. So the guy picked me up. They didn't ask me for $12 because we were coming to the same church. I would have said something. If they asked me, I would have been like, hey. <laughs> we're going to church now. So, you know. So it's important for us to choose to honor God in everything that we do. There's a song that, in, that says, in all I do, I worship you. We need to choose in all we do, in our relationships, in our service to one another. In the things we spend our money on, everything we do must honor God. Matthew twenty-two thirty-seven 37 
says, Jesus was asked by the Pharisees, oh, what is the greatest commandment? And then he says, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. Then he says, the second one that is like it is love your neighbor as yourself. So if we're going to be people who honor God and worship God with our lives, we cannot just read half of that verse. Love, I'm loving him with all my heart and all my might and all my whatever. What about the other part? What about that part? Love your neighbor as yourself. Do we? Do we love our neighbors as ourselves? Are we the ones that will pray and say, oh, you're hungry, I'll pray for you, that the Lord will provide. As opposed to, you're hungry, let me see what I have. I've got two dollars, I've got two loaves in my house, let me just give you the one. A lifestyle of worship sacrifices. It's not convenient. Sometimes it's not comfortable. So the other night also. <laughs> so I was, so I, I was speaking at a women's conference a while ago, and then I said to the people, oh, no, you know, I have to wake up in the, in the middle of the night because I have no choice. So I said this. I was like, no, I have no choice because, you know, God wakes me up. So then I, it took me days to realize that I wasn't waking up after that. I wasn't waking up. And so just this week, I'm like, so while I was spending time with the Lord, I'm like, I realized I'm not waking up. Then I was reminded of that quote. And God says, I never force you to do anything. So I, I had to repent and say, I'm sorry I hurt you because we have a thing. I love spending time with you. I love it. I love waking up. But when I said that, it was a case of saying, look, you're making it sound like I'm forcing you. I'm not forcing you to do anything. So then we spoke about it, you know, as people in a relationship do. We spoke about it, and, and I repented. And I said, God, you know, it's not a burden for me. It's, it's a sacrifice to wake up, because I would like to sleep through the night, but it's not a burden for me to be with you. It's, not a, it's, it's choice. Everything is choice. And he's never going to force you. So I realized that this week when I was, oh my gosh, I stopped waking up. The day I said that thing here at the women's conference, for days I didn't wake up. I would wake up weird times, not the right time. And then he told me, I don't force you to do anything. And this is the same for us. When we choose, we are choosing. Nobody is forcing us. But if we're saying we are a living sacrifice that's on the altar, I mean, Mark was sp uh, speaking at 8.30 and he spoke about how sometimes the problem with uh, a living sacrifice it, is it, it gets off the altar. It just wants to walk off and go elsewhere because it's rough on the altar. But the fact is when we are dead, we are dead. When we are sacrifices, we lie on there and we trust God's will in our lives. So it's important that we be aware of that. So one of the people I like in the Bible, Moses. So Moses, the Bible says of Moses that he was, God spoke to him. Face to face, like a man speaks to his friend. Don't you want that? Don't you want that? For people to say, God spoke to Malcolm face to face as a man speaks to his friend. They sat there, they went on walking. You just see, you think she was crazy, but she was talking to the Lord. Uh, some people tell me, you talk to, your, to yourself a lot. I'm like, I don't even notice that. I don't even realize I'm doing it. But you don't know who I'm talking to while I'm talking. So, <laughs> so uh, Moses... You know, when you read the greats in the Bible, when we talk about lifestyle, I mean, you read about Abraham. God wanted to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah, and he says, can I hide this thing from my friend Abraham? I want to be God's friend. I want him to say, can I? This is, this is one of the ways that, you know, with being prophetic. Prophecy is literally just hearing from God, right? A anybody can prophesy. You just have to be with Jesus. So sometimes we know things, and God tells us things because we are friends. And not because I'm like, just tell me something about somebody. Sometimes it's somebody I don't even know. And then it's like, there you go. Please tell that person. Like the, recently I had a word for somebody who was in Swakopmund, who was not really close to me. I called them like, oh, I had a dream about you. And like, you have no idea what this means to me. Why? Because God and I are hanging out. He cares about everybody. So he thinks, oh, this one is listening to me. Let me at least tell her to help that other one who's there. So if we're cultivating a lifestyle of worship, intimacy, friendship with God is important. Choosing him above all else. His relationship in our lives should be our top priority. Before your wife and your husband. Before your children. I know when people have children, it becomes real. Apparently, it's difficult. But I don't know. I don't have any. But the fact is, before anything else, God must be first. A lifestyle of worship cannot work any other way. It cannot work any other way. So then we go to corporate. Because now we understand we're choosing things, we're choosing, we're choosing each other to be here. Did anybody force anybody to come today? Anybody? anybody? Force? Force? Somebody? Going once? Twice? Nobody? Okay. So 
we choose to be in this family. We choose to be in this place. We choose to be here. So because we choose to be here, there's a certain way we must be together. So, excuse me, Hebrews 10, 24, 25 says, And let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds. Let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. There's a part underlined there. Let us not give up meeting together. So these days we are in a movement of me and Jesus churches. You one person and Jesus who's Jesus. But that is not the reality of scripture. That is not what we are told to do. That is not how we are told to live. We are made to be in community. So when we come together, living a lifestyle of worship means choosing to be part of a community. You cannot be an island. No man is an island. And then when you're on an island, it's rough there. When you're hungry, there's nobody who can help you. When you are there, when you have no clothes, nobody can help you. You need finance advice, nobody can help you. It's just you there. We cannot be islands. We need to be part of a community. We need to be part of a community. It's important. So when we come together, we are urging each other towards love and good deeds. So sometimes you come to church and things are rough in life. Then you come, you see somebody who hugs you. And they just hug you. And then you're just like, oh, these people are so nice. You know, but then when you leave, you, f you remember that hug. Maybe that person is not your friend. Guys, let's learn to hug one another, even if it's not your bestie. The person is not your friend. You just love on them. You don't know where they're coming from. And then they go about their life and they live that day feeling encouraged because somebody loved on them in this family. That is doing life together. Okay. And then Colossians 3.16 says, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom and as you sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs with gratitude in your hearts to God. So there's something that happens in worship. Like we always think, like I was saying earlier, that worship is that first part of the service where we sing those four songs. It's not. It's the whole service. Teaching the word is worship. Receiving the word is worship. Being open to what's happening in the service is worship. When the announcements are going up there, it is worship. When the ushers are ushering, it is worship. Everything that happens in the service is worship. It's not the four songs. So when you understand this and you're understanding that we're in a corporate setting now, we just had worship, and people are singing songs and you come to church. This is something I want to challenge people on because in a corporate environment, you come to church and you think, oh, who's on worship today? Oh, oh my, it's that guy. Oh, Jesus. I don't know now. Maybe I must come at 10.50 or something when it's over. We think like that because worship is about us. When worship is about you, that song was not doing it for me. Why must it do it for you? We're not worshiping you. We're worshiping God. So if you come into the house of the Lord like this, you come home from your house with your own fire burning from your private times of worship. You are there already stirred, right? You're burning. And you come here. It don't matter if the, the thing is off a little bit. Because you are there weeping before the Lord because why you have revelation of who he is. Obviously, we want people to play excellently. <laughs> we, we do. But it happens that it doesn't sometimes. So when we come to worship, you're not coming here for someone to refill you. That is not the purpose of us coming together. We're coming together to celebrate who God is, to celebrate and fellowship with one another and worship God together. So you cannot come expecting the worship leader to stir you. I wasn't stirred today. Or the preacher's message to stir you. No, the message wasn't really. Something was missing. <laughs> People say those things. Come on, have you said it? Have you said it before? <laughs> so we come to church, and we come to church, and our perspective of what church is supposed to do is warped. It's not really about us. It's about God. So when you come to church, and maybe they don't sing something that you like, maybe it's not a genre that you're familiar with, Maybe just read the lyrics. What are the lyrics saying? What are they saying? Oh, okay, okay, okay. And obviously we want to incorporate a lot of music, but sometimes that doesn't happen. What, is the, what, are, what are they saying? And when they are saying what they are saying there, I can say that because it's biblical. It's true. I'm worshiping in truth. My spirit connects because my, the spirit of the Lord is in me. So it worship, the music part of the service is not about you. Let's just get that, that, that out of the way. It's not. It's not about any of us. It's about God. So don't come thinking when you see somebody, maybe the shelter standing here, oh gosh, now we're singing African songs today. My God, <laughs> Lord. It's not about us, okay? 
It's how can I engage? How can I engage God through the stuff? Okay? So, and Ephesians 5, 18 to 19 says, don't be drunk, you know, with wine, but be filled in the spirit. And then it also talks about coming together with psalms, hymns, spiritual songs. Okay, so psalms and hymns we kind of know, right? And have you been in a church setting where they just sing in the spirit, the worship leader there? Oh, come on, let's just sing in the spirit. And you're just like, huh? okay, now what does that mean? <laughs> what does it mean to sing in the spirit? Okay, so what, what we, what's happening during worship, a lot of the times, we sing songs that we know, that we can call psalms because they are written and there's music recorded with them, right? And we can sing these songs. But when, we, when people are just like this morning also during worship and the guys were singing and they went a bit spontaneous, it wasn't on the screen, the idea is for you to respond with your spirit, man, to what's happening in the spirit. So when we start singing songs that are off script, that are inspired by the Holy Spirit, that's what's called singing in the spirit. So you can also sing in the spirit. Like you start off with, well, I don't know what song now. Jesus, lover of my soul, I will never let you go. And then while you're in there, oh, yes, I love you, Lord. I need you, Lord. That's not part of that song. But then while you're in the spirit, <laughs> you are responding to something happening inside you, okay? So we sing this. And, and I want to challenge you as part of this family. You know, we like singing in the spirit a lot here. We like freedom. So be free. Your thing doesn't even need to be in the right key of what they are playing here. But when they say sing in the spirit, you are tapping into the Holy Spirit, connecting with the spirit of God, and then you are responding with your own words. It can be Oshivambo, it can be Afrikaans, you know, like me the other night. It can be anything. It can be anything. But the idea is, because sometimes we are so set in our ways, because remember, God made us creative. So because God made us creative, that means that you can come up with your own line that's melodic in the worship, maybe off-key, but it will still be some type of melody. So we have these songs that we sing, but these are tools. These are songs that are supposed to facilitate an encounter with God for us. Once the facilitation exceeds its step, your heart kicks in, and you are like, Lord, these are now my words. They don't match with these ones, but these are mine. And imagine how he feels about your own words coming out from your mouth. So when we have those moments in, in worship or passion night or whatever, and the people are singing here, so there's a difference between spiritual songs and prophetic songs. Okay, so when people sing prophetically, that can be just the leader now. The Lord is speaking to them to speak to the congregation. It's prophetic, yeah, so it's coming from God to us. As opposed to spiritual songs, that's us to God. Okay, so us, we're just singing, ooh, in the spirit, Lord, I love you, I love you. You know, I love you, my child. I have redeemed you, I have called you. That's a song that's coming from God's heart to us. That's a prophetic song. So prophetic song, God's heart to us. Spiritual song, spontaneous song, our heart to God. Essentially. I mean, they're both spiritual. One is spontaneous, one is prophetic. So when in church they encourage you, oh, let's now just sing your own words. Don't, don't look confused, okay? <laughs> just sing your own words. I'm sure you have words, things to say. It can start with talking. Lord, I love you so much. I love you so much. Then it ends up, I love you so much. I love you so much. It increases. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. And you're there just, you're just going for it. You're like, you know, and you're going. Because it has to start somewhere, right? So it's important that we know this. And one of the things we need to realize also is that venue is irrelevant. The venue of your worship is irrelevant. Like the thing with John 4, when he was talking to that lady, and he told her, look, time is coming. Leave this mountain story. You will worship wherever because the Spirit of God is in us. So even when we come together corporately, don't now be concerned about the building and be concerned about who here next to me, okay? So the idea is we're coming together, we're building our faith together. Like I think Mark was speaking in the first service. Now you come here, you don't want to worship, but somebody is worshiping and they're, oh, you know, you know those people, campus. Hey! They're just making noise, hey! And you're just like there. And you're like, oh my gosh. But then instead of, oh my gosh, tap into that. Tap into it. And be, oh my goshing also with the people. Because there is a response. And you know what? The Bible tells us so many times that the people shouted like Jericho, like Je King Jehoshaphat in Chronicles. Things were happening. Before the victory, they were there, hey! Because they knew something about God. There was a word. So your worship cannot be a response to what you know already in terms of your life experience. It must be a response to who God is, whether your life experience agrees or not. So if your life experience may not agree. Your life experience may say, I'm still sick. I've been sick for five years. But the truth about God is he is still a healer. 
So I will shout for victory because he is still a healer. So we respond to God in that way. And so whatever you do, in everything you do, to offer the glory of God. So we've spoken about instruments. I love the scripture that's in 2 Samuel 6, 5. It says that David and the whole house of Israel were celebrating with all of their might, all their might before the Lord, with songs and with harps, lyres, tambourines, sistrums, and cymbals. I had to Google those things. Like I'd find out what was a sistrum, but I know what it looks like now. But the fact is, the idea is there was music. You know, sometimes you come from a very quiet church, you know, old school. It was just the organ there, if the organ also. And you are just there, you just want a cappella. A cappella means singing without music. You're just there singing, but there is a place, it's here in the Bible, where it says, make music to the Lord. Make music. Use the symbol, use the, hmm, hmm. Those things, you know, use everything that you have to worship God. Because we express ourselves with everything that we've been given. And you know what? God wants us to experience all five of our senses. He wants us to use those five senses in worship. Feeling, sensing, all of that. Because he made us to experience him holistically. Not just hearing. We must see, we must taste, we must feel, we must sense everything. Okay? So it's important. And so now we talk about... We were just talking about dancing and stuff, expressions of worship. So you've seen many things happening in this church. We like to make a lot of noise. So, and sometimes somebody's there. I don't know if you've been in a service and somebody's just, ah! <laughs> <laughs> you're there. And you're there, you're like, I don't know what's going on in this church. <laughs> so you're there, right? And you don't know what's happening. Let's just be honest. You are saying that you've never experienced something like that, and you're thinking, I don't, must I get out now? Because I don't know what's going on in this church, right? I don't know what to do. So the fact is, the fact of the matter is, there are certain things, like we said, our whole being is responding. Our whole being is responding to God. So sometimes it's like something is happening inside you. You can't contain it. You just have to shout. Because there's something the Spirit is doing inside. You have to, you have no choice. You must just shout. And then the other person is just, I don't know whether to move my chair or not. It's <laughs> just <laughs> so, so real. So, and then we have lifting of hands. You know, when we lift our hands like this, it's like we're saying, Lord, I want to draw close to you. Pick me up, take me closer, bring me closer. I want to be near you. I want to be near you. And when we do our hands like this, I'm surrendering everything I have. I'm surrendering. I'm saying, God, you know what? All of me. Take all of me. So there's a difference between this Take me, beat me, I'm here, I want to meet you. And all of me, take everything I surrender. I'm not holding anything back. I'm giving all that I am to you. And then when we bow or kneel, um, there's a scripture there in Isaiah 45, it says, before me every knee will bow, every tongue will swear. So if it's not just because you are feeling like it, there is a command to do it in the scriptures. In Philippians 2, talking about Jesus, says that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. It's a should. Bow, bowing, understand, it makes us realize that, you know what, we are in the presence of royalty. We're in the presence of holiness. You can't, it's like I can't look up, there's just a lot is going on. I need to just show my sub, subservience. I need to show my, that I'm here and I'm surrendering who I am. Lord, I'm like bowing down because you are holy and you are king. That's why we do that. So it's not just because it looks cool and it's done in the church. Having an understanding of why we bow is important. When there's those moments, like those songs, bow down and worship him. We come here, bow down and worship him. Bow down and worship. It can't be. How? How can it be that you're singing those lyrics and you are swinging side to side? It's, it's really difficult. If we have a revelation of what we are singing, it will change how we stand, how we position ourselves. It cannot, if we, that's why sometimes I think we just sing the songs, but we're not listening to what we're singing. Because when you're listening, it's changed. There's that song, uh, Shout Your Fame. I'm going to shout your fame. It's like, I'm going to shout your fame. <laughs> are you really shouting the fame? Don't, isn't it, I'm going to shout your fame. Because you're there, you're shouting his fame. Right? And then we have laughter. <laughs> so the Bible says this about laughter. Psalm 126. When the Lord brought back the captives to Zion, we were like men who dreamed. Our mouths were filled with laughter. Our tongues with songs of joy. And Job 8 says, He will yet fill your mouth with laughter. So laughter is from the Lord. You hear some people in the congregation sometimes, <laughs> and they start laughing during worship, and you're just like, what are they laughing about? 
They are laughing because there is a stirring in the spirit. It's a response. And all our responses are different. Okay, we don't all respond the same. I know people who said for the longest time they could just sit there. But then when the, that dam broke, it broke. And they, they were the ones, you can't hold them back. You just said, Jesus, oh, ah, and they are gone. <laughs> but it needed to happen to them, okay? And then you have things like dancing. Dancing, David danced undignified before the Lord. We need to learn to be people who can be foolish at times because it's important. David understood, he was the king. He understood that, you know, there's this moment that's happening. We're bringing the ark here of the covenant back. I can't just walk back in here. And he was in his underwear. Hey, Jesus, whatever they were singing there. But the fact is we need to learn to be undignified. We've become so dignified in our worship. So dignified. I can't even afford to, if, if I'm raising, it's like, I can't even do it high because I don't know. But we need to learn to express ourselves before God. It's important. It's important that we express ourselves. It's really something that is, uh, I don't know how to say this to you in the sense that you will understand. Something unlocks when you express yourself before God. It's an act, it's a prophetic act for many people. When things are happening in life, you don't feel like shouting and you shout. There is a thing that happens in the spirit realm. And the enemy is like, why is she shouting? I thought she would be crying now. And then you're like, hey, Jesus. And then victory. Things are happening in the spirit. So you cannot wait for your victory. You cannot wait for things to happen before you celebrate God, before you worship God. So our lives every day, regardless of what's happening around us, regardless of the economy, regardless of what people are saying about our health, our lives should be positioned in a place of worship all the time. So as we just, I just want to ask us to stand as we... You know, I want you to think right now of, <laughs> I want you to think about your life and think about what are the challenges, what things keep you, what holds, what holds you back from expressing yourself before God. Is it other people? And I want to pray if it's other people, we want to break that fear of people off right now. In the name of Jesus, I just break that fear of people. And I say, God, set your people free to worship you in the way that you have designed us to worship you. Wherever you are right now, I just want to challenge us right now. Lord, what does my worship look like? What do you want my worship of you to look like? What do you want me to do as an act of faith in my worship? What must my life look like, God? I want to worship you. I want to be close to you. I want to be close to you. Just where you are, I want to just open your mouth right now. Oh, we want to be close to you, Jesus. Oh, we love you, Lord. Wherever you are, just open your mouth right now. you to see this happening right now as we worship i want you to see incense going up right now to the heavens i want you to see incense going up right now to the heavens as your voice is going up there is incense rising up this morning there is incense rising up in this place this morning
Yes, God. You know, I just see as we are worshiping right now, as we are worshiping right now, I see bowls and bowls of incense rising up to the heavens. And I want you to raise your arms in this place this morning in a posture where you're saying, God, I want all of you. I want to be all in this morning, God. I want to be all in, God, all in. Take my incense this morning, God. Receive my offering this morning, God. Just receive my incense, God. Yes, God. Mm. I see the Lord just pouring out, pouring out just a grace for liberty in worship, liberty in your private worship, liberty in your corporate worship. Just God is releasing just the grace for freedom. Just freedom in this place. Just receive his freedom. If you have struggled to worship before, receive his freedom this morning. If you have struggled to worship, receive his freedom. Receive his freedom. Receive his freedom. for a minute I really sense that God is just stirring up people right now if you are here and I sense that the Lord is saying that there are people who have struggled with intimacy with me there are people who have struggled to connect with me and God is saying I want to connect with you this morning I just want you to say God I want I want you open your heart where you are right now God wants to connect with you and I will see it Oh, oh, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord, yes, Lord, yes, Lord. You are worthy of it all. You are worthy of it all. to you are all things you deserve the glory come on we declare you worthy jesus you are worthy of jesus you are worthy of it all oh we declare you worthy jesus for from you are all things and to you are all things you deserve come on sing you are worthy jesus hey you are worthy of it all oh we declare you worthy jesus you are worthy of it all Just raise a shout to God this morning. He's worthy of praise. Yes. Yes, Father, we thank you. <laughs> We thank you that you love us so much and we thank you that your word says that draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Lord, we have began to draw near to you more than ever before and we ask that this will not stop here this morning, that even as we go home, God, we will continue to draw near to you, Lord. Our hearts desire, our hearts cry is to worship you, to honor you in all we do, God. In all we do, we want to honor you because you are so worthy. You are so worthy. You are so worthy. You are so worthy. We just honor you this morning, God. 
thank you for the fire that is burning in our hearts. Thank you for the stirring that's happening in our hearts. May it increase. We honor you, God. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God is awesome. Thank you for listening. For more information about this podcast and other resources, please visit envintook.org.